0: Hey guys, Donna Maria here, and welcome to episode eight of Make Market Monetize, my private podcast for Maker Mastermind clients. I've entitled this episode a mini legislative overview. Even if you had an opportunity to watch the Capitol Hill hearing last week in our private group on pending cosmetics legislation, you may still benefit from a very high level review of exactly how the legislation, if passed, might change how you do business. This episode is designed to provide you with that. It is very high level, but I'm using layman's terms. So I'm being really specific about the areas that I think will stand out to you the most. So you can kind of have an idea of where if the law passes, you will kind of want to get started implementing um, little by little the changes to your business. So first of all, let me just say, we don't know when new legislation will pass. I think it's pretty clear that at some point in the not too distant future, which could be next year or five years from now, honestly, we just don't know at this point. But it's pretty clear that new laws will pass. And um, that is not altogether a bad thing since the cosmetic laws have not been overhauled since 1938. The regulations have changed at the FDA level over the years, but the laws themselves have not changed. And it really is kind of time for some new laws to, um, you know, kind of uh, come into effect. So, this advocacy that has been happening for the current pending legislation has been going on for over 10 years. And anyone's guess about when it's going to become law and in what form it will become law is just a guess. But even when a new law does pass, I want you to know that the effective date will be in the future. You will not have to comply with the new law on day one. I don't know how long the compliance delay will be, but Congress, when it does pass new laws that affect uh, industries, unless there's some urgency, which there isn't here, um, you always have a certain amount of time to review the details and incorporate any new requirements into your business. And what Congress will do is pass new laws and then direct the FDA to actually implement those laws. So there will also be some time during which the FDA will be um, accepting um, documents and arguments about some of the requirements in the new law that's called the rulemaking proceeding. So some things won't be clear for years, but basic things will be clear and I wanna cover Um, those main things as we talk here in this podcast episode. So the first thing again, you won't have to comply on day one. You're going to have some time. I don't know how much time, but that's one of the first things that we'll look for if and when a new law does pass is how much time do we have. So we kind of know what general time framework we're working in. So secondly, it is highly unlikely that a new law will change any current state law requirements. So even though this will be a federal law, if you already are complying with state cosmetics laws, they will not change just because a new federal law passes. Now, um, the new law could possibly say that it will preempt or nullify existing state law in the cosmetic arena. That is highly unlikely. Um, We advocated for it for a long time very strongly, but it looked like we weren't getting anywhere So we kinda had to let it go in favor of other things. So it's possible that state federal law will end up preempting any state law, but it's very unlikely. So existing state laws are unlikely to change just because a federal law passes. Now, it may be that the new laws, well, let me just say this. If the federal law directly conflicts with an existing state law, generally speaking, the federal law will control. Um, what what a new law may do is um, preempt states from passing new cosmetics laws. That probably won't happen either, but it's still possible. But just in terms of getting ready, I would not presume that any state laws that already exist will go away because of this new law. If there is preemption language inserted into the new law before it's passed into law, obviously, then we'll have to look really closely to see what exactly that language is preempting at the state level. So I just wanna make sure that you know that federal law usually it can often um, you know, nullify state law, but I don't think that's gonna happen in this case. Um, although I can't say for sure, but I wouldn't count on that. So there are five main components to the new law. Now, this is not exhaustive, you guys. This is not the total of everything you need to know. I'm gonna post a link to my blog which blog post which contains the hearing and a link to the legislation. You really should read it. Um, even if you don't understand all of it, you should put your eyeballs on it um, when you have time. But I want you to know the five main things that I'm pretty sure are gonna end up in any new legislation. Again, I don't have a crystal ball, so I don't know, but based on my experience and what I'm being told and watching the hearings, this is what I think the five areas that we really wanna look out for. The first is adverse event reporting. Right now, there is no requirement that companies report adverse events. So, you know, I used your shampoo and my hair turned blue. Um, My skin totally broke out when I used your product and so forth. It is likely that a new law will require companies to report to FDA when they are told by their product buyers and users that a product caused an adverse event. So what will that look like? I'm not really sure. There'll probably be a very easy to use form that you fill out. Now, what is an adverse event? I think the FDA is gonna probably have to define that through rulemaking. So what will generally happen again, generally is the federal law will say Congress says that if there's an adverse event, you companies have to report it and we're going to leave to the FDA, the job of determining what the definition of adverse is. So that's probably how it will work out. The companies, you know, in the industry will argue back and forth about what adverse really means. Do I have to report every tiny little itch? Or do I only have to report when the hair turns blue? Like what exactly do I have to report? And every little thing somebody posts on social media that it, you know, they itched after they used a product. Do I have to report that? Those are very real issues that will be hashed out probably during a rulemaking proceeding at the FDA. Um, So, but I just want you to know that that is probably something that's going to somehow fit into any new legislation that becomes law. Second, company and ingredient registration. So right now, registering with the FDA under their voluntary cosmetic registration program, it's called the VCRP. You should look it up if you don't already know about it. Just Google cosmetics VCRP FDA or something like that. It'll pop up. It basically is a registration that's voluntary, meaning you register. I'm a cosmetics company. I'm located in in uh, Georgia, the name of my business is ABC123, my address is ABC123 and I make lip balm. That's generally what it is right now. It is not required, it is voluntary. It is likely that new legislation will make it required so that you would have to fill out that form if you are making cosmetics and selling them in the US. In addition to that, it would be required to tell the um, FDA in your registration what ingredients you're using in your products olive oil, uh, you know coffee extract, whatever it is, you would include in your registration the ingredients that you are using so um, that is a second component, and probably one of the things it's not really terribly time consuming because once you do it it 's done. However, if you change your ingredients a lot it 's something that you're going to need to kind of think about, like if you customize products and you only use olive oil when people ask for it or what have you, there might be some, um, you know, impact on your business um, in that regard. Okay, number three, good manufacturing practices. Again, good manufacturing practices are called GMP for short. Just Google it, Cosmetics GMP, you can look it up, download the um, good manufacturing practice guidelines and read them because I'm pretty sure the good manufacturing practice guidelines will become required and they will probably be almost exactly like they are in their guideline stage. So the more familiar you become with GMP now, even though it's voluntary, the easier it's gonna be for you to comply with it. Now, there's a chance that um, the law will tell the FDA, look, good companies, I'm sorry, big companies requirement with GMP does not necessarily have to be the same as small businesses. So FDA, you go figure out how it should be different and have a rulemaking and issue some regulations and tell everybody, okay, if your company is this big, you have to do this. But if it's teeny tiny little company, you only have to do this. That is a likely component of new legislation. Again, I can't guarantee, but it's probable that something like that will come out of this. Okay, number four, right now, the FDA does not have any recall power on its own. If a product is a problem and it's released into the public and, you know, all the the product goes bad or it's contaminated, the FDA works with the manufacturer to recall the product. The manufacturer does not have to comply with the FDA. The FDA can actually sue the manufacturer and force a recall, but the FDA does not have the power to force a recall on its own. New legislation will in all likelihood give the FDA that power. And fifthly, annual fees to help fund the FDA. Right now the FDA is, um, I guess it's funded through appropriations. The industry does not pay anything to the FDA, but when new legislation passes, it is likely that there will be an annual fee imposed on companies that sell cosmetics in the U.S. Now, there's one big thing that I'm pretty sure is going to happen, and that is called a small business exemption that will likely exempt small businesses from all or some. Again, I can't say all because I don't know, but all or some of these requirements if their gross annual revenues are under a certain amount per year. There was a point in time a few years ago when the small business exemption was at $2 million, I think it has come down since then. The last version I saw before now was a million dollars and I think it might be at 500,000 now. So um, again, that number is very fluid, it keeps moving. It's like a moving target. It is extremely likely that there will be an exemption. How much gross revenues you can Um, make before you reach that threshold I don't know but obviously as you plan your business and grow your business you will make decisions on how big you want to grow based on what the new law is and what the requirements are and whether or not you want to pass that threshold so um, I I will spare you my commentary on that I'm just trying to stick with the facts Um, but but that is how I think this is going to pan out there will be an exemption likely how much that exemption will be and when it will kick in i don't know and i'm pretty sure that even if there is an exemption it will apply to fees and it might not apply to anything else i don't know i'm pretty sure it'll apply to fees i'm pretty sure it will not apply to registration i think from what i can hear Last week, listening to the FDA answer questions from congressional representatives, it's very, very painful and embarrassing to them that they cannot tell Congress how many people or how many companies are making and selling cosmetics in the US. That is because the registration is voluntary. I I think the FDA is tired of saying, we don't know how many manufacturers they are, because it really does sound a little bit ridiculous that the regulator doesn't know even how many companies it's regulating, I do see some issues with that. So I do think it's unlikely that there will be an exemption, even if there is a small business exemption. I'm thinking it will be unlikely that it will apply to um, this particular requirement. I'm pretty sure the FDA is gonna want everybody to register. But again, the registration process is not that cumbersome it's really just a one time thing, obviously, if you change your address, you have to update it. Um, but you can go look at the vCRP right now and you can see what it looks like so you that's probably exactly what it's going to look like when the new law passes It's just going to be required so um, you know there are some things that you can do now to start getting ready so this does not fall all on you you know, bam, oh my goodness, you know, it's a law now. Like I want, then that's why I'm doing this podcast, because I want you to have the ability and the opportunity to say, you know, okay, I have, you know, 15 minutes over the weekend. I can go take a look at the VCRP and see what it looks like. And that way when I, if you know, if a time comes when I do have to do it, I'll kind of be familiar with it and it won't surprise me and throw me out for a loop. Um, the other thing you might want to think about, and this is just really, Again, I can't say for sure, but you know, before this law passes, if you can get in there and register in advance, they're, they're, I don't know for sure, but I would think they might be unlikely to ask you to re-register. So if you're already in there, you could possibly be grandfathered into some requirements. I'm just guessing, probably shouldn't even say that. But if you think about it, it certainly would be easier for them to just um, ask companies who haven't registered to register because if you're already registered you're already in the database and chances are that it'll it'll probably um, help them not you know break down their website when a billion companies go to register even though some of them are already registered I'm just thinking in advance probably if I had a cosmetics company and I wasn't registered I would probably go ahead and register before this law passed because it's just one less thing you have to do after it passes and you probably won't have to go back and do it again. So again, that's just me and I I can't, you know, tell anybody what to do, but I can let you know, you know, really my, my educated um, and informed conclusions and the things that I'm pretty sure will come out of this is what I'm trying to share with you, you know, privately in our private podcast here. Again, you cannot take any of this to the bank. Congress could change its mind at any time. All of this could change completely. There could be no exemption at all. There could be, you know, just everything can change. So I'm just letting you know what the status is now and some of the things that I would prepare for and that I would suggest you be on the lookout for as things move on so that you can be more prepared if and when this does become a law. So again, I want to emphasize there's no evidence that the current pending draft bill will become law in its current format or any revised format. We just don't know at this point, but I'll keep all IBN members updated, of course. But I wanted to give you this more detailed personal update so you would have a better idea in layman's terms of what's probably coming down the pike. So I hope it's super helpful to you. And if so, please leave me a comment on the podcast page inside the Maker Mastermind community. If you have a question you want me to answer for a future episode of of Make Market Monetize, please do that through the Anchor app. If you haven't downloaded the app, you can do that at anchor.fm. Until next time, make it, market it, and monetize it. And I'll see you on the next episode.